This episode of Power Keg is brought to you by Perk, a marketing technology company that connects consumers to brands. And what I love about Perk is that Perk is a lot like Indianapolis, the city where they're headquartered. You see, Indy has all the opportunities that a big city offers with all the small town charm. So similarly, Perk has big company stability and all the excitement of a small growing tech startup. It's really the best of both worlds. And Perk is hiring for a bunch of positions. So if you're interested, check out perk.com forward slash careers. That's P-E-R-Q.com forward slash careers and see if there's a fit for you or for a friend. Again, that's perk.com forward slash careers. The, the big insight a lot of people miss sometimes is like the big idea is not the hardest part. Right? Yeah. It, it's the, the wedge in which you're going to use to enter the market. And that needs to be something honestly pretty small, like pretty mm-hmm. small and rock solid and works every time. That, that's actually the part that I, I personally need the most help. Like, yeah. I, you know, I've, I've always felt pretty strong at the big ideas. And then it's like surrounding yourself with people that kind of force that distillation process is, is I think, really important. That's Amon Brar, the founder of Canvas, which is the first enterprise-grade text-based interviewing platform that's helping recruiters screen more job candidates and market employment brands. And I'm really excited to share this chat with both Amon as well as Mike Reynolds, who is the CEO and founder of Innovate Map, which is a product design agency based in Indianapolis, Indiana. And today, the three of us are talking all about product design and how to take new products to market. I'm your host, Matt Hunkler, and you're listening to episode 46 of Powder Keg Igniting Startups, which is a show for entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators who are building remarkable tech companies in areas decidedly outside of Silicon Valley. And the entrepreneurs on today's show both have their offices headquartered in Indianapolis, Indiana, and we met up at Edge Media Studios, which is an awesome partner of ours here at Powder Keg. We shot this whole interview on Facebook Live, so if you want to get the full effect, complete with the video and the audio from this episode, be sure to check out the live stream and sign up for future Powder Keg Live episodes. You can get all of that at facebook.com forward slash powder keg. But if you're listening here right now with us on Powder Keg Igniting Startups, the podcast, uh, we have Mike Reynolds and Amon Brar. So let me tell you a little bit more about these guys. Amon has an extensive background in leading tech companies through periods of high growth, but has also held key corporate strategy and finance roles at Fortune 500 companies. As the former president of Apparatus, also based here in Indianapolis, Amon led the company through a $34.2 million acquisition by publicly traded in global consultancy Vertusa in 2015. Amon recently launched Canvas, which you can find at gocanvas.io, and he has already signed up a ton of clients, including early adopters from startups to Fortune 500 companies located in Silicon Valley all the way to the Midwest. Canvas is enabling these organizations to transform their reach and engagement with talent by designing their recruitment strategies in a way that aligns with the communication preferences of today's workforce. Our second guest is Mike Reynolds, who has been ideating and delivering digital products to market for over 20 years. 20 years, and it shows. I've worked with this guy uh, and their team. They are amazing. Uh, Mike is just a visionary in the digital space, specifically in the areas of product management, user experience, and product marketing. He's got a passion for great product, which I love about him. Uh, He loves helping companies achieve that, as well as Powder Keg, uh, which he's working on a number of things with us right now. Uh, And he founded Innovate Map, the agency that we're working with, in 2014. 
Today, he leads an exceptional roster of 16 of the Midwest's best product professionals. Innovate Map has helped over 75 clients dream, design, and scale more marketable and valuable products. Previously, Mike held executive product and design roles at both Aprimo and Teradata uh, after their Aprimo acquisition by Teradata for over a billion dollars. Really amazing guy, uh, an amazing agency as well. So make sure you check out innovatemap.com. And in today's conversation, Mike, Amin, and I talk all about product design and how to take a software product to market. It's a great case study of starting up Canvas and how Innovate Map helped them take their product to market with a design first approach. There's so many actionable takeaways and it's a killer story. So let's get going and set this thing off. You've been all over the place, including Silicon Valley. Thank you for being here in the studio today. Yeah, super excited to be here and I uh, look forward to the conversation. Well, you recently started a new company. Correct. Yeah. Canvas, <laughs> yeah. uh, which we're going to kind of talk through that growth story if you're cool with that. Yeah, happy to. Awesome, man. I, I, I know, Mike, you and your team at Innovate Map were super instrumental mm -hmm. in sort of the, the growth of that product, but I'm eager to talk to you about it. We've been threatening to grab beers Indeed. for a long time and you've been busy just closing deals, it sounds well, like. I'm trying to, at least. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Yeah. Can you give us maybe the, uh, the elevator pitch on Canvas? Yeah, so we launched uh, June 13th as the world's first text-based interviewing platform and uh, it's really been amazing the warm reception we've received from you know both candidates as well as the enterprise community that's trying to engage with their next generation of talent so here we are a few months after launch we've got enterprise companies engaged with everything from welders and machinists to software engineers to sales professionals and even believe it or not nurses physicians and physical therapists and so you know we've already engaged with thousands and thousands of candidates to the platform tens of thousands of messages transferring across the platform and um, you know, really creating these delightful, magical moments with machine learning and AI behind the scenes. So it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Delightful and magical with machine learning yeah, and AI. Yeah, You're yeah. like talking my language, exactly. man. That's right, yeah, I'm happy to dig in. So tell me just real quick on that process, I'm interviewing for a role and then I'm, I'm getting a text message from the employer? Yeah, so you uh, you might be actively applying or you might be passive. So like, you know, one of my favorite examples is take, take the, the notion of a passive candidate. Yeah. People are busy, people are around, people are employed and nowhere else in our life do we ask somebody to get on a 20 minute phone call, right, as your first point of engagement. What we believe is that if you leverage a medium like text, you're reducing the barrier to entry for that candidate. So instead of the ask being, hey, can you schedule a 20 minute call with me? It's like, hey, you know, can we get to know each other over uh, this platform Canvas? And next thing you know, you're off to the races and they can engage on their own time and you can engage on your own time. So what happens is, is recruiters can typically do something like four to six phone screens in a day, right? Because you think about it, it's a synchronous phone screen, you schedule, you do it, you take your notes. In the uh, Canvas world, they're literally doing up to 10 times that per day as far as candidate engagement. So it's allowing candidates to engage at a much higher frequency and allowing recruiters to figure out who they need to move through that process. One of the analogies I often use is, imagine if Bumble worked where you had to schedule phone screens with everybody you're interested in, ladies. <laughs> that would be, it'd be insane, right? But right. you might find your next life partner with the uh, first step being a chat-based conversation, so something tells me that that might be a good enough process to you know hire your next customer service associate or sales professional or whatnot. So, I love it, and I yeah. want to talk through how you came up with that product, yeah. how you actually got it to market, because from the outside looking in, you went from leaving apparatus to starting this company and pretty quickly got to market with a product, yeah. mm -hmm. started selling it. The design is amazing. How did you get there so quickly? Yeah, you know, tying this together a little bit, I think what's the irony here is that, you know, Apparatus was an extremely engineering-centric company, right? Yeah. So that's what we did. We did hardcore enterprise cloud management, you know, scaling from, you know, local company to a global company in, in, in four or five years. Uh, but I think we had the insight 
to know that, you know, really, if we want to do this right, it needed to be a design-led initiative, right? So we knew that we could nail the engineering part. Like, that was never our concern. Can it be scalable? Can it be fast? Can it be, can it do what it needs to do on the back end? And so what we were looking for is how do we narrow in on, you know, a kind of a design-led strategy. At the end of the day, for this to be successful, there's real people called recruiters that are going to be actively engaged in utilizing the software. And it's, it's a kind of a fascinating design exercise because all of the magic of the software is hidden from the candidate, right? The candidate is texting the, the company, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yet on the company end, there's this beautiful, rich experience that, you know, was, was led in conjunction uh, design, you know, exercises with Innovate Map. And so, uh, you know, I think we just had the foresight to start working with Innovate with research, then design. Uh, we didn't lay our first line of code till almost the end of probably February 1st, right? Right around February, had our first client in March. But I think if you step back, it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, I, I like to use the analogy when I explain, you know, what, what was the value Innovate Map added? It's like, you know, look, we, we want to know what the car is going to look and feel like and how it's going to drive. And then honestly, the wiring together the plumbing is not the hard part in this day and age, right? It's, <laughs> right. it's, nail, it's nailing the, the user experience. And so I'm, I'm really glad that we had, you know, the foresight to, to jump in with Innovate Map and, and take a design-led approach to the product. But when you start with design, Mike, on mm -hmm. a product, what are the first things you go after? Because my sense, having worked with you already, it's not what typeface are we going to use and oh. what kind of navigation are we implementing? At the heart of it, I think people will often gravitate to the visual side, the visual side being about 10% of it. So obviously it's got to look awesome. Right. You know, and, and, and there are, we, I use the term hero screens. There's select hero screens, obviously, in Canvas. You're going to want to put in all your product marketing materials. But the goal of the design is actually to meet really, really sound business goals like the user enjoys using it. You don't have to, as I'm in scaling his business, hire a bunch of uh, help and customer service people to convey or ramp up on the design. It should be intuitive. It should be enjoyable. And that's what, again, at the heart of workflow. So things that we're going, going through our mind aren't, aren't a navigation. They're not pixels. They're like goals. What is the user trying to achieve? What is going to compel them to derive value out of this? It's a big part of our methodology really get at the heart of that. You never get it perfect, which is, I'm just going to speak to modern agile practices. You're always learning, you're always iterating, but you should have a pretty strong, you know, hypothesis and guess on that initial build. Yep. Um, that's really a sweet spot where our firm will really, through our methods, really get at a very strong hypothesis where the MVP is something that, you know, as I'm in selling or as these beta customers are coming on board, they feel good that it will be valuable. And, um, and with that MVP or yep. mi minimum viable product, um, you know, Amin, did you come knowing what that was going to look like exactly? Or did you come kind of with a rough hypothesis and say, hey, we need some help putting some product and packaging around this. Yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, we had, we certainly had good ideas as to what we thought the product would be, but it was still rough clay, right? And I think that to me, I think the fascinating part of the exercise, it's kind of easy to think about the 100 features you want to lay in front of a recruiter. I think the the process with Innate Map and where it was helpful is like, well, how do you really just narrow it down to its essence and the kind of the most important things? Because if you really want to uh, you know, we, we actually talked about this uh, analogy of like, you know, how do we create that uh, California roll to get people adopting sushi, right, mm -hmm. more broadly. And so what was, you know, we really talked a lot oh, that's about, a good metaphor. you know, what was yeah. going to be our California roll in, in the product. And so honestly, we held a lot of stuff back, quite frankly, because mm. we, we thought it was disruptive enough to kind of say, look, we're going to use this very new way to kind of actually screen talent, not like holler at someone and say, what's up? Like literally, we're going to make some decisions about who's going to get an interview, right? Wow. And so we had, uh, you know, I'd say no shortage of features. I think it was really about mm -hmm. like, how do we kind of keep it down to a quiescence, allow recruiters to kind of get used to the concept of just doing this one thing. I'm going to get used to engaging with the candidate via text, 
asking some questions, letting them ask me some questions through this beautiful interface uh, that's well-designed, and then start layering in more features. And the analogy, one of the analogies we use, and I, I think it often gets overlooked as an amazing design feed, but I talk about uh, Microsoft Excel a lot, right? Like you can do two plus two in five seconds, or you could design like mortgage analysis, right? Like whatever you wanted to do in that product, you can just take it as deep and as far as you want to go. So we talked about that analogy early on where if a recruiter sits down, they ought to be able to fire off a text message like in seconds, right? And have that conversation and then allow those power tools to be kind of revealed to them as they get into that that environment. So that's kind of the approach that we took. So zooming out, Mike, you work with over 75 Mm -hmm. tech companies with taking products to market, including Canvas, uh, including us right now, Mm -hmm. we're going through this process. I come to you with, between 20 and 100 features that we want to have in this fully baked product of what we think is the MVP, minimum viable product. Mm -hmm. How do you work with clients? And talk to me in terms of like, what should an entrepreneur be doing to ruthlessly prioritize and define which things go in what buckets. Yeah, and just taking a step back and even it, it make a little more sense, even some context of, of Innovate Map. Our, our goal is honestly uh, the business and creative side of the tech. I think Amon spoke to the, the things that you'd look at technology to solve. Is it scalable? Is it architected well? Does it integrate? Uh, is it low in bugs? That's table stakes with SaaS. If you have any of that wrong, the expectations, it's fixed the next day. So what's really differentiating a lot of products is is what we de- we describe you know well built as good product and what's better product kind of our tagline is that it's marketable valuable and usable, uh, marketable meaning it sells, valuable meaning that you built the features that derive value. I'll come back to that and then obviously usable and then kind of working wait, backwards. Wait, which do you start with? You start with value. Yep. Okay. So when someone comes with an idea, we have methodologies, honestly, just to give you some ideas of the functions that support it, marketability, some product marketing expertise, value, it's really rooted in product management fundamentals. Am I building the right thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously usability with UX and, and design principles. So our, our team's basically made up of those calibers of product professions and we'll partner with founders and tech teams uh, to take care of that. And, sure. and, and the value to that obviously to a startup is, is a better strong attempt out the gate at product market fit. So, so, so talk to me as a founder, how, yeah. like say I, I can't afford to work with Innovate Map or I've never met you or I don't have a chance to engage with uh, an agency like yours. Yeah. How, how can I start stepping through this myself? Well, even just thinking of those three criteria. So even if you just said, so okay. Start with value, right? So value. So you have 100 ideas in your head. You're going to have the funds to build for MVP 20 of those. What are the right 20? You've got to start vetting what are the features of value. And there's a variety of methods for that. I mean, we've got methodology to get out in front of it. But that's having conversations, not surveys. You don't need quantitative data yet, you need qualitative. Okay, what, know, is, what does that look like? Did you already have conversations with customers, I'm assuming? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, he, yeah. so I, I'd say with, with Amin, I don't mean to interrupt, um, you know, he, he came with great vision, mm-hmm. you know, but valuing some of the things we bring to the table. And in the early stage, specifically when you're pitching it, you need good marketability around your pitch deck, you need good value but in terms of clearly painting the vision of what you're about to build and then usability if you can get a concept mock-up. Thinking about those things early on and with Amin, he had actually thought through a lot of the value. I think, he, I think great vision and already thought through that, but working with us and a lot of our first phase research helps. Not, the research informs the design in terms of identifying yeah. key workflows, but it really but more informs talk, priority. Talk, talk to me about that research yep. though. Like how do you conduct that 
Uh, what are some ways that founders, or, and maybe even Amon, how did you conduct some of that research? So we, we actually leveraged Innovate Map. Yeah. So I, you know, I did the early research, which was just like vetting the concept right. with HR executives. So I kind of came to the table with, hey, I've had all these conversations. Yeah. I feel like this is real. How did you have those conversations? Because uh, I, I think this is important context for founders to understand. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is kind of tying it back to, you know, what's funny here is, you know, I, I had the idea. I mean, literally, I would just say on a sentence, I'd go meet with HR executives say, look, what if you can engage in, in screen talent via text in this asynchronous way, right? Where you're like destroying the inventory as you know it today, right? So if you yep. think about synchronous phone calls, a recruiter can do four to six of those a day. Uh, what if you could do 100 of those a day, right? And, and would that be a value? And so, and imagine how many billions of bits of data have been lost over telephone calls, right? And now if we're capturing all that and we're analyzing it, we're making recommendations, like would that change your world? And unanimously, it was like that would change my world. So that that was really good. But I think we took that idea, started making some early slides, whittled the product down. I think there's one thing we're overlooking that was so important to our journey mm -hmm. was that we, we showed up with all these ideas and the vision. We, we really distilled it. Like what is the core thing? And then, so we went through the research design, just let's say design in, in January. Mm -hmm. We started coding in February. We put the product in a paying customer's hands in March. And then you start having all those real like, oh shit moments, like, oh, oh shit, we're missing this and oh shit, we're missing <laughs> that. And, 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 and oh crap, we got that wrong. Honestly, like just the fact that we were willing to share it so quickly. And I think it was really key that it was a paying client because now we're like, look, we don't want a cancellation, right? Like we got to continue to add value yeah. and keep going here. And so we picked up so many features and then what I'd say even prioritization of features just from recruiters that were on the platform so early. So I think just getting it, Getting the MVP shipped super fast, which wouldn't have happened without Innovate Map and, and a great engineering team at, at Canvas, that was super critical because I think that then laid our foundation for kind of the next three months and the three months after that. So are you having these value conversations only after you have an MVP or? Oh, no. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so, so talk to me about how, how yeah. do I have those conversations? Am so, I scheduling a 15-minute call or am I getting face-to-face -face for an hour? A couple things. I, I mean, just it, to an entrepreneur, one, worry about the marketability value and usability of your product. That, yep. That'd be one. And then, okay, well, if you're worried about it, how do you get at, at some of the things to eliminate that worry? Two things that really come to mind. The first one is be very careful of false positives mm. um, and, and do not feature hunt. And I'll, I'll tell you what I mean by that. It really- Talk to me about that first one, false positives. Um, most people will vet, is this a good idea? We live in a day and age where at least philosophically, there is no problem that technology does not have some play to solve or enrich. If you believe that that's a fact, then you're not blown away by any idea. It's really the execution of that idea. My wife, my daughter, they have great tech ideas too. You know, it, it's just, is this, is this some, something worth pursuing a business around? You need to have conversation. What I worry about the false positives is people vetting simply, is this a good idea? Especially if you're only asking friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great idea. Go for it. That's <laughs> very admirable. You're going to start something. It, it, you get fans. Fans don't make a good business. So um, who, who should I talk to? I'm just a great example of this. You want to get out there, you know, industry, people familiar with the tech domain, you know, they can give you some, paint some blind spots, but it is having conversations, yep. you know, and it is all the while you are teasing and exercising how you describe your vision. And if the vision's big, those are the ones that most people like, not just like I've got an app that's done in 30 days and that's, that's it. I got no vision beyond that. People like big ideas like Canvas, but to distill that into, this is how I see the world and I want to go do this first and this second and this. And when you, when you can compartmentalize the vision, then you can like get the feedback on the components mm -hmm. where you, let's just say I've got it. The vision is five components, A, B, C, D, E. And I'm telling this to people, and I might have in my head wanted to start with A, but everybody 
thinks that C is the winner. You want to weigh that. So being able to clearly convey the product and have conversations that are really describing your vision. Then the other side of it is be careful not to dive into the features yet. If I built this, would you like this? Once again, you're just going to get a lot of head nodding. Early on, keep the questions more around what are your pains? What are business problems? What if I solve this pain? What if I solve this pain? Even even that's a rough one. You know, would you pay for the solving of this pain? Would you pay for the solving of this pain? How much would you pay? And then... Yeah, you might, it might be even early to go to that, you know, okay. but because really what you're going after, if I were to build something, is there a market that would buy it and derive value from it? And then obviously then that has the exponential growth. And are these conversations, yep. meetings that a uh, founder should be scheduling and, and teeing it up as this is a feedback meeting or is this, I'm going to a networking event and I'm going to talk to as many people at this networking event as possible, pitching them on my idea. My take is both. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I probably did more of the the latter where I was. Oh, sorry, whatever. I can't remember the order, but that was. I, was uh, I literally can't remember what order <laughs> more, you said those of things in. Which one? Uh, I'm not going to tell you. No, um, <laughs> uh, I, I did a lot of the one on one scheduled meetings, okay. right? Because I really wanted to get the right deep person and, and really be able to read body language and understand if I was being glad handed or not. And the, you know, one of the key insights I had early on is honestly, like no one was telling me what the pitfalls might be of, of Canvas. And so I, for me, what was critical is I left town, right? I literally, and that's actually how I got engaged with Mike because I had no deck. I'd already raised, honestly, had people ready to fund. And and I was like, you know, I'm, I need to leave town. Yeah. And I, I, in fact, I was like a, I was like a Wednesday or Thursday. Yes. And I'm like, look, I'm flying to Silicon Valley on Monday. I probably ought to have a deck, right? The given I, I, had, I didn't yeah. have one yet. And so that yeah. was kind of our entry point was how do we express um, this? in five slides, right? And so that that trip where I, I finally was engaging with unknowns, like friends of friends of friends, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just a friend, it was super critical in giving me the confidence to come back and say, okay, that's a tough market. People are seeing a thousand ideas a day. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually walking back with investors, right? From just seeing, just casual investors from seeing the ideas. So that, that gave me the fuel to say, look, I think, you know, we're onto something. So let's keep those conversations up. And I would just talk Anybody that was a recruiter, anybody that was an HR leader, like, I mean, I would say I had three of those meetings a day, probably 45 minutes in length, where we were just kind of really getting into it, understand. And I did that tenaciously. And what's great about that is that process cultivates customers and it cultivates, mm-hmm. you know, lots of good things, you know, kind of uh, investors, customers, et cetera. How so, long were you out there? You said three meetings a day. Yeah. How many days? I would say I, I, this is basically what I did from uh, September 12th through mid-October, probably a month of just, this is literally my full-time yeah. job was was meeting with people. Then I jumped on a plane for Silicon Valley and mid was it mid-October, early November, something like yeah. that, did, did that for a week, Okay, you know, came back and then just kept doing that and was kind of tweaking and tweaking and tweaking. And then what Innovate Map did then was start formalizing that process. So then they went out and did like kind of blind interviews with recruiters where the product, the company... Um, and other employees, no one was involved but them as an intermediary without disclosing what the idea was. And we're trying to validate pain points mm. and other things like that. And that was Why really is that important. So it gave us some really good data, right? So like the whole, the quote around, we had done some studies sitting by recruiters, but hearing recruiters just tell Mike not or his team, not knowing what the objective was, that they're only able to schedule three to four to five phone screens in a day. Mm-hmm. It was just a safe way to get that information, right? And if you think about what could be more important to a recruiter than connecting with human beings, and we're basically using a process where they can connect with maybe three or four of them in a day. We got to do better, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's got to be a better way. It's got to be a better, better way. way right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we had a lot of validating information around around that. How did you run those meetings? You know, so this is post you doing this for a month plus, maybe yeah. closer to two months. Yeah, and it's of- a point of frustration for me because honestly I was like I don't want to do that you know right. what I mean like I want to I wanted to jump ahead yeah and, let's sell this thing and so some of it's right. like trusting your and that's like this is where the trust of your design partner comes in 
quite frankly, I would have skipped that part. I would have felt like, hey, I've got enough. But but but, but you, here you, I am. You now feel oh, like that I'm, is very I'm still valuable. quoting things from that research. That's awesome. You know, can you talk to me about that, that particular part of the research process? Because I've never done anything like that in any of the companies I've. Yeah, I th think of it this way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a step back. Just allow me thirty seconds, just to give you some. Yeah. Like the approach. I mean, the approach we'll take. We'll discover and research. So we got to get our arms around his vision. Uh, you only do research, especially uh, in a high pa pace, to answer unknowns. And so at that point, the, some unknowns that are typically early on for a founder is, what's the feature to start with? What I need some input, whether, you know, what are the features that would derive immediate value? I might have my head great vision, but I, it's really a prioritization exercise. Typically, our research is trying to wrap their arms around that with a secondary goal of trying to understand goals and workflows because that will influence the UX design. Mm -hmm. um, and then we then take that to a concept and ideation and prioritization phase. You know, we're coming with UX and, 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 and product management, and then we'll go to design and iterate with engineering. But in that phase, it really is intended to answer unknowns. And so you, you approach each one custom. A lot of open-ended questions. I, I give the example of Innovate Maps value very often to someone made us understand the tech world is if you're trying to build your dream house, we will sit down with you, understand your goals. If you're going to live there forever or flip the house in a year, we design a very different house. Right. And you pick very different features for that house. Just apply, apply that to technology. But then picture that conversation with like the couple in the dream house. Now, our outputs are going to be uh, very bluntly the picture of the house, the blueprint, and all the interior design. That's kind of the Innovate Map equivalent. But all those decisions of what to do are really based on discovery questions. Mm. And so our points with these, with these interviews are really to ask things like goals, needs, desires, qualitative questions, not how many bathrooms you want. You're going to get to that, but it's really trying to get at the heart. I mean, early on, you're really trying to get the heart of, of that. And, and the, probably the best thing around it would be open-ended questions. Is there an open-ended question that you always ask in this research phase? Typically, tell me about your day. It depends on where you're going. Okay. There's, a big, there's a big difference between user research, Yep. okay, when we're trying to get the heart of the workflows and then, like, research that is kind of validating the idea. So, like, when Amon's coming in early on in, like, in October, November, he's trying to vet, you know, the idea, the business, the, the vision that he has. When we sit then there in December, January with him, now we're worried about what's the right priority of the screens to design and the nature of the workflows that will be designed. So how are you asking those questions in those meetings? So what were some of those questions that you're asking in, in those meetings in December? Because you, know, you, say, you validated the idea that there's pain points around it, there's a real business to be and product to be made here, yeah. but now you're trying to just prioritize features. Workflow-based, and what I mean by that is we're talking to HR, tell me about your day, um, walk me through your first thing you're doing, uh, because we knew we were going after recruiting. Okay, recruiting, what's your first step? And you're not interested in how they're interacting with tech. You're actually looking for manual opportunities for tech to come into play. I mean, I, I do mean this. There's an entire art of, art of this, like the three research on our team are all master students from, I use informatics. They are absolutely the best I've ever seen at it. Awesome. Um, but in, in general, I'm kind of giving you an, an idea of it. It's very workflow, open-ended question, task-orientated, goal-orientated type questions. And I would isolate that to the user research. Mm -hmm. uh, that is a little bit different than validating your business with an investor or with a... Sure. That, that's different. But when you're getting the user research, what those things are going to enlighten you on are unmet goals, um, laborious workflows, and those create tech opportunities. And when they match with the vision like the founder has, magic starts to come out of that. That's how you start to identify this. It's valuable when it's a big pain point. Yeah. So you're really just so, gauging how high is the pain point. And it's got to match with the vision. So in this instance with Canvas, it's solving a recruiting workflow pain. Yep. Okay. So we're not asking them about their problems with payroll. Right. You know, that, that may be an unknown in one day. 
uh, as Kansas grows bigger. But it's always got to come back line division. So there's got to be kind of a pointed focus to the conversation. Right. You know, in this instance, we're really looking at recruiting, workflows, pains, opportunities. And, and so in those scenarios, Amin, uh, what were some of those findings in the research that you had a third part, neutral third party deal? Yeah. So I would say they were, they were awfully validating, right? So one was when mm-hmm. you kind of question mm-hmm. of telling about your day, recruiters cannot get off of rightfully just how busy they are. We just kept hearing, oh my God, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. But then when you would talk about like, well, how many, how much human interaction are you having in a day? It would be like, you know, three or four and they don't love being on the phone necessarily. Mm-hmm. Or, or they started figuring out that well, no, you know, I mean, I like being on the phone. Well, no, do I really like being on the phone? No, I like connecting with people. Like you see, it was like, what's that's, the yeah, root here, right? Is it really, yeah, is it really that you, goal. yeah, that's their goal. And so uh, you started getting these threads, like the number one thing you want to do today is connect with people, but you're connecting with three people. You know, that's the problem. Disconnect. So, yeah. so it started to emerge some of these themes. So clear one in the recruiting world is, you know, how do we attack the feeling that they're overwhelmed, but at the same time, they can't, they can't connect with enough people. And so we really started to kind of pull on that thread and heard that as very validating um, evidence. Now, there's also potential sales roadblocks that emerge from that, right? So for example, if you're really, really, really busy, you know, how do you incorporate change management and doing something in a, in a different way, right? So if you're, you know, really good at writing handwritten letters and you're just, and now I'm saying, no, I want you to use email, right? Right. You know, it's like, well, I got to make the time to learn how to do email, right? So we, right. we had, we have, we'd say, and we continue to have to kind of attack that specific problem of, you know, how do you make the investment to go from your modality today to your modality tomorrow? One key piece I want to ask is one of the most innovative pieces and probably the biggest aha I had from the research is there's a variety of roles. And in this instance, you know, he's going to sell to heads of HR and recruiters are going to use it. Yes, we want to talk to them. But the goal is how do people want to interview? And most of the fascinating user research actually came from and was validating of Amit's vision of how dreadful that is right now. If you are looking for a job and you just want to know, you know, you see a big company, it's posted, you know, they have a branch in Indianapolis. Do, is this role in Indianapolis for you as someone trying to find that job? Um, you want to you don't start. Want to go hunt for no, it. and you don't yeah. you don't need an hour interview yet. I want first contact with a representative there and I want to passively, if possible, have conversation with them, show interest. I can go back and forth, things like that. I, I'll just highlight that as well as make sure it's a, it's the full circle of the breadth of what the product's going to be. Yeah. And yeah. You know, I think the one fascinating part about this journey is like the idea, the big idea behind Canvas, we want to capture the world's interviewing information. That's actually what Canvas is about. Text was the first lever to begin to create a process where you can capture all that data through this mm-hmm. new modality, introducing this new thing where you can start to capture and analyze this data. But the, the idea is much bigger. The, the hard part is like the what's the wedge, right? What, how do you go insert mm-hmm. yourself into that market? And that's what this whole process led us down, right? So we're going to capture the world's interviewing information. And then where are we going to start? And we, we found a novel place to go start and do that. And, and I think just tying design back into this, one thing that's just been a pleasure working with Omni Canvas, I mean, every, everything in terms of, you know, he mentions coming to us with a pitch deck. Obviously, his brand, uh, he's got to look professional, kind of to entrepreneurs out there, looking prime time to investors, to, uh, to even recruit talent. It matters. And then are you telling the right story or vision, you know, position it in a, in a right way? That matters. Is it, uh, we, we strive for, you know, people get it, love it, want it within 10 seconds. That's, that's pretty solid uh, messaging positioning. And then obviously when you get to the user, it's got to be absolutely dynamite and something that they love. All those things come into play. 
Um, hey, you came in with the name already, right, Amin? Yeah. We did. Yeah. yeah. How'd you yeah. come up with the name? It's, uh, I love it. It was a brutal process, really. We, you know, we were <laughs> thinking about names. We had lots of names. We knew we wanted an accessible, playful brand. That was kind of one of the things that we were playing with. And so I just, I was driving into work at Apparatus. I'd heard this, um, Tim Ferriss had a, a podcast on the Canvas strategy from back in the kind of Roman days where like the emperor would send out some junior people to go kind of clean up the smaller issues. So they could focus on the important. Thing. It was called the Canvas strategy. The people that were really good at that started getting promoted. So I had that name Canvas bang around my head. And then a short time later, I'm talking to Jared. I'm like, Jared, I need a name for the company. And um, Jared looks back at this piece of art, and it's called, like, Canvas Number 5. He goes, what about Canvas? And I'm like, I can't believe you said that. So it's literally how it kind of came out. Oh, wow. like Jared's my co-founder. That's awesome. And I'm like, let's just roll with it. We called Tom Walsh at Ice Miller five seconds later. In fact, we just received the trademark for it a few weeks ago. So oh, congrats. Really but um, I think we were just kind of like, we've had so many names. Like, that's a good one. Let's go, right? Yeah. And, and it's worked. So we're, we're excited about it. How do you – so you have the name, but then at the end of the day, name is just a word. Yeah. And and it's really your brand that puts mm -hmm. meaning behind that. Yeah. How do you go about building a brand uh, around that? Did you work with an outside partner for that, or is that something you guys kind of came up I with? I would say Innovate Map really just took us to the next oh, level. Oh, really? Okay. There. I mean, awesome. this all, some, we, we, they really brought the brand to life. If you look at the kind of the mark in Canvas and the, in the brilliant insertion of these chat A's, kind of these little chat window A's in there, yeah. um, and then how we were pulling just that as a symbol of the company out, and it was just amazing work. And I remember... Mike and the team, you could tell they had a secret and they were just so excited to kind of unveil what they wanted to do with the name. And it was just one of those things where a lot of times you're like, you want to A-B test and you want to, you know, sleep on something. We saw it and we're like, that is exactly what we're doing. So it was kind of, they really nailed it from their, you know, uh, internal brainstorming. And I remember that reveal day, it was like yeah. everyone had chills. It was just really, really great. Talk to me how you go about you and your team taking a, a concept like Canvas and a word and starting to like drive meaning with that, with the brand, which is, is not just, you know, words around that word, but is really like the design and yeah. feel of the product. We, we're real proud of this. And, and I'll just be very transparent. We've been Innovate Maps for around three and a half years. And we started with product marketing, really focused on the buyer. And then we had product management, UX company. We have in the last year and a half to two years really built out our product brand. And mm -hmm. honestly, what, why that has happened is twofold. One, we get startups coming from the onset, like I'm with the idea stage. So they wanted that. And honestly, the creative of the brand needed to be cohesive with the product marketing materials, pitch decks, sales decks, product site, as well as the product. That consistent experience really from a business perspective had us kind of grow into also doing product brand. Mm -hmm. um, and so our process being originated or led from thinking of the product and how it's positioned in mind that comes into play as we're thinking about this. So obviously it's not an art project to us. Right. That's the biggest thing. So yeah. it's got to convey their culture, the entire framework of it has to resonate with constituents. And that might be audiences that are admirers, audiences that are buyers and then users. And then it's got to flow to the entire, all the buyer content and then all the user content. And so, you know, if you were to go to Canvas's website, we're very proud in terms of, yeah, it's great. We love the mark as well, but it flows throughout, you know, and then the experiences you translate then into the product that's not a jarring, inconsistent experience. That's a very consistent experience. And I would just highlight the need for that, especially in a product who's actually even envisioning a freemium model where someone's going right from your marketing materials into the product, yep. that the consistency of how your, your, your product brand looks in marketing and sales materials, as well as in the product, is becoming significantly more 
of a touch point. I was going to mention my favorite part of the story is, uh, not, is Mike's overlooking one thing, which is I did not want to do this. <laughs> I, I, we had a mark and we had a logo, and I'm like, no, we got to go. We got a client turning them up March one. Like, That's you know, me. yeah, That's and me I'm like, day. listen, and so yeah. and we had a logo. We, uh-huh. we were fine with logo. In fact, we liked our old logo. Uh, maybe down one day in Canvas lore, we'll reveal what the old logo was. But <laughs> but we were like, no time for this nonsense, right? Like, let's get going and. I could just tell by the look in their eyes that they really wanted to do this. And they're like, fine, fine, we'll take a time out. And we look at it and we're just like, holy crap, like that's amazing, right? And so it was one of, you know, just back to having a good partner mm-hmm. where they're not just going to be yes people as I'm trying to just barrel through the process to get to the end point. That's my favorite part of the story is, I, you know, we would not have, that not would not have happened unless they actually forced the issue. Like, no, 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 we've got something great and we can't, we've got to talk to you about it. And that that was how that became this that's brand. That's awesome. Life. Yeah. Well, when, when you hone in on something like that yep. with your team, are you looking for like one core thing that you can then trickle into the rest of the product and the marketing? Or are you looking for like a set of values to kind of interweave throughout? No, it's, it's, I mean, it's a combination. What we like to do is align on the goals of the brand. Okay. And then well, we'll, so, so for Canvas, what were some of those goals? Playful, I mean, accessible, you know, kind of could speak to the enterprise, but be separate from the enterprise. Right? conceptual yeah, yeah. words yes, that yes, sort of set correct. you apart from the competition. Correct. Right. You know, I mean, playful and, and accessible. That's that's great. Playful, yeah. accessible, different, but but it can't go too far because yeah. it's going to be. I mean, enterprise HR is going to have to feel like they trust it. Right. Yep. Convey a little bit of tech. You know, and and it is different from each. You know, if we're making a, if we're designing a medical software brand versus a consumer brand versus a, those goals come into play. What are you trying to achieve? And I, it's typically some sprinkle of the company culture coming through, some sprinkle of the opinion you're trying to convey with the audience. You, you will really try to get at what exactly do you mean by that? You right. Know? And, and honestly, we'll try and do about five goals. We're consistently in our process checking back to those goals. Yeah, this one's great on playfulness, but it's not professional enough. It doesn't speak tech. Mm-hmm. One big um, decision we made was we decided you won't find the words artificial intelligence on our website, right? Like we decided that that wasn't the point of our brand and what right. we we're trying to accomplish. And so very early on, we're just like, no, like that's what those are tools we use in our words to create these magical moments for recruiters and candidates. And so we're that's all that needs to be said about it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to just keep cranking and, and doing that behind the scenes. And then let, we'll let the brand be, I think AI is not going to age well in that way, right? In the yeah. same way that you wouldn't launch your company company as a cloud computing based company now, or <laughs> you wouldn't launch it as having electrical power, right? Like it's just, these are tools that we now have access to. And I, and I, we just felt like to attack the market we wanted to attack. Uh, we felt like that, that needed to be something that was kind of behind the scenes and we didn't need it to be kind of AI forward in that way. And, and uh, to clarify you right now, you're talking about your pitch to customers. I understand you guys collaborated even on the investor deck side of things too, right? Are are you leaving AI absent from the conversation when talking to investors as well? Or no, absolutely not. A little bit different conversation there, right? And I think that's, that's what was critical about what Mike was saying is like, understand your audience. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I think investors want to know that you're thinking about the disruption that's happening in the space, right? I think HR executives certainly want to know, right? But what does a recruiter want to know? A recruiter wants to know, like, (laughs) are you going to make my life easier today? Right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's your job to figure out how, right? And, um, and so we decided that when it comes to creating this revolution with Canvas with the recruiter universe that we didn't need Canvas droid-oriented marketing and branding. You you mentioned um, the fundraising process. I I Mm -hmm. guess I brought it up. Uh, Do you feel comfortable talking about that? (laughs) Sure, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. because you've raised over a million now in in capital, and it seems like that came together pretty quickly. Was that just kind of based on the relationships you built and that early exploration conversations? Yeah, you know, I think it's fascinating, you know, how much credit you'll get after a success story, right? And so I think there's no doubt that 
you know, the timing of kind of coming off of apparatus and rolling into Canvas. I think there was, you know, a fair amount of excitement about, you know, what are you going to do next? And then, you know, some people that really want to participate and whatever that next thing was. And so I think that that's probably, you know, just a proven track record is probably where fundraising success kind of comes from. Uh, but on what I'm really proud of is, you know, we, we from the get-go in our seed round had investors from Portland, multiple investors from San Francisco Bay Area, New York City, um, and uh, definitely some HR executives that were, were you know, where, where I wasn't on a, a texting friend basis with. And so, <laughs> you know, having um, uh, the previous heads of talent for SpaceX who worked for Elon Musk, Jeff Perkins, Scott Day, who was the previous head of talent for Airbnb, and folks like that that are advisors and investors in the company where we didn't have previous, uh, you know, strong relationships, I think that's, that's what's been most exciting to me. And then seeing the Indianapolis community really rally around certainly wanting to participate in Canvas. Uh, we're, we've been very fortunate in our, in our fundraising uh, exhibit, expedition, if you will. So. <laughs> well, and it sounds like you guys were, were collaborating yeah. the, the entire time. Um, yes, yes. What did you find to be most effective in that fundraising process in terms of how you communicate through the words, but also through the design of, of a deck or maybe even a demo? Yeah, so I think we, we started expressing some of the brand mm -hmm. er, early to the investors. And I, there's no doubt, I mean, I think there was an appreciation. Uh, we were an experienced team taking this really seriously, kind of in a very kind of pre-money, pre-revenue stage, already having, you know, a really solid display of what we were going to go execute on. In terms of the design? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, th I think it mattered that uh, um, Innovate Map could sharpen our our story. And uh, when people looked at it, they, they started like, you know, I would be proud to, to be associated with this this early thing. The quality is just so high on it, right? Yeah. Um, that certainly, you know, helped. You know, the other fascinating part of the journey is like taking it from the big idea to the the narrow entry point, right? And so if you look at our a lot of our early pitch deck, you know, we probably raised the first half million on uh, we're going to go solve cancer and um, and world hunger at the same time, right? And so right. then, yeah, right. And then they're like, well, we're going to do one of those. And you're like, you know, we're really going to do like a part of one of those as you start to really figure out, you right. know, how you're going to attack the market. And so I, I look back at those and, and I hope we get to everything that was there. Mm -hmm. um, but that was a really important part of the process was kind of kind of narrowing that do, down. Do you feel like you picked up momentum the more you narrowed in on the specific? Oh, yeah, I mean, we'd still be developed. We'd yeah. still be designing. It had we, <laughs> you know, we, I don't think we'd have a product for sure yeah. if we if we had been trying to execute on the kind of the, the original what I called it the thirty thousand foot idea. You know, then we got to the ten, you know the ten thousand foot idea was we're going to attack it text and then then kind of bringing it to life even further through what I just call just rapid distillation, right? And I think that the big insight a lot of people miss sometimes is like the big idea is not. Not the hardest part right? yeah it's the the wedge in which you're going to use to enter the market and that needs to be something honestly pretty small like pretty mm -hmm. small and rock solid and works every time that, that's actually the part that i, I personally need the most help like yeah. I, you know I've, I've always felt pretty strong at the big ideas and then it's like surrounding yourself with people that kind of force that distillation process is, is i think really important yeah I, just my thing i'd add to that just even for entrepreneurs is really the focus of distilling down product market fit at the end of the day sometimes what i'll see is a lot of entrepreneurs will overweigh the product and not think about the buyer both matter equally the better precision you can have is i'm going to talk to this market and it might be and it's making some tough decisions on roles you're going to go after even in if i'm even thinking back to Tom's vision of hr in general and for him to have focused on this role in hr and then build product that solves specific pains for that role have it resonate with the users and the people that will be experienced at incredible precision and then when you land that kind of fit you can build on either way you can say oh, i built a product and i'm going to expand the markets that i'm going to put this product into or i'm going to solve more problems for the market i'm already working with yeah. and yep. thus your product then can expand 
Yeah. Um, it's always got to be aligned. And so boiling the ocean, uh, talking, you know, not knowing who you're even selling to, that's why in those early conversations, truly get a, a hone in on who, who would buy this. And then obviously then if once you've, your idea aligns there, then you want to figure out the experience you're going to present to the user base. One, sure. one of the interesting things, you know, uh, about the distillation process, you know, kind of a key strategic insight, and we still, I don't want to reveal too, because we have plans on some of these, kind of the next leg of our journey. But originally, Canvas, I think, was going to do more inside the company. We kind of sat there and thought about what are all the roadblocks, and, and having this enterprise IT background, we're like, man, it dealing with CICO, dealing with security, dealing with, you know, just going to extend that sales process. So we jokingly kind of referred to the recruiting landscape as the demilitarized zone. You don't need social security numbers. You don't need, you don't need all this stuff to kind of get started in that part of the journey. So you can get to the enterprise and, and really not have to go mess with a lot of the stuff that you have to mess with that slows down sales cycles. And so some of it's kind of like taking market realities, mashing it up against your product and your vision and going, you know, again, what's the best place to start, right? And so one insight was, hey, text looks like a great place to start. Another mm -hmm. insight was outside of pre-hire seems like a great place to start to kind of think about how to go disrupt talent marketplace with, with chat and, and machine learning and some of these techniques. And so it is kind of such a multi-dimensional type of strategy game. And some of those insights were just as simple as, man, you know, it's just a lot harder to sell it inside than it yeah. is outside, right? You know, you think about a recruiter, a recruiter can be like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not collecting any information. I'm just, I'm just like getting to know this person. I don't need their social security number and their next of kin and there, you know, all that stuff that you need as part of that formal internal process. So there's just a lot of, of stuff that we were triangulating on to get to kind of what Canvas was from the get-go. I really appreciate you um, and coming and sharing your story about Canvas and how design has impacted not just culture and brand at Canvas, but your investment that you've been able to raise and the sales that you've been able to drive. I'm really eager to watch as, as your company continues to excel yeah. and grow and hope you'll come back and share more of your uh, adventures as they unfold yes big important year ahead of us. So. definitely <laughs> yeah. definitely and and mike thank you so much for yep. sharing your expertise and and this particular case study is really interesting to me you know as we're just now yep. uh engaging with innovate map on some of the design for our membership technology that we're building I already love some of the conversations we've been having Good. and i appreciate you sharing uh some of those insights so that other founders can get involved and in, in that innovation and design process as well thank you guys both uh, pleasure. for being here today super fun Thanks. yeah of course that's it for our interview with Mike Reynolds and Amon Brar, but it does not have to be the end of the conversation. Make sure you hit up Mike and his team at Innovate Map on Twitter. They're just at Innovate Map, all one word. And of course, you can find Amon as well at at Amon D. Brar on Twitter. Again, that's Amon D. Brar, and you spell Amon A-M-A-N-D-Brar, B-R-A-R. Uh, make sure you hit him up. Ask him if you have more questions about the experience of taking Canvas to market, if you're interested in the product, or if you're just interested in connecting on a founder level in general. These guys are amazing and uh, feel so grateful that we had the opportunity to share their story right here on Powder Keg Igniting Startups. And for more stories on entrepreneurs, leaders, and professionals outside of Silicon Valley, make sure you give us a little subscribe on iTunes. You can find us at powderkeg.com slash iTunes. You'll want to subscribe there because we have some amazing guests coming up. So please don't miss that. And while you're at it, please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes. This is how we reach new people and the positive reviews we've already received have helped us dramatically grow our audience for sharing these entrepreneurs' stories. So thank you so so much if you're one of these people that has already left us a review. Again, that's powderkeg.com slash iTunes. If you haven't subscribed or left a review yet, please check that out. 
And while I'm on that subject, we've got a helpful companion website at powderkeg.com. You can find show notes for this episode as well as all of the past articles and interviews and even events. Come on out to one of our powder keg pitch nights. We have them all over the United States right now, although we have our eye on global. Uh, but at those pitch nights, you can come and connect with other tech entrepreneurs, investors, and professionals that are just like you. It's a great opportunity to get out from behind your computer screens, you know, take those headphones out uh, and come learn about the latest companies, innovation strategies that are just disrupting industries and changing the world. We also live stream those events. So if you can't make it out in person or if we're not in your city yet, you can check us out at facebook.com slash powder keg. We've been getting some really awesome feedback from you guys. So thank you for that. Uh, but I go to a lot of these powder keg events myself. I just want to mention that again. So I'd love to catch you there in person if you can make it. Again, you can learn all about those events as well as new articles and episodes of Powder Keg Igniting Startups at powderkeg.com. I'll see you there or we'll talk to you on the next episode.